Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. Good day. Welcome to the SickCast. My name is Manpreet Singh. Thank you for being here. It's the beginning of June, and in the beginning of June, something is on every six mine around the world. And today we're going to talk about 1984, 1984 Remembrance. Six, the Indian state, and with me to talk about all this is Harinder Singh. Harinder Singh, Guru Fateh, how's it going? Guru Fateh, what's great? You know, uh, 84 is on all our minds, all 30 million of us, but so are farmer protests, what's happening in Gaza, and many other things. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the world, a lot going on in the world. So it's the beginning of June. Uh, before we get into it, I want to know what comes up to your mind. I was I came here when I was three years old. I came here basically stroke of luck, kismet, whatever you call it, a week before 1984 happened. And so when June comes up, what thoughts, what what do you start remembering as a Sikh, as somebody who was there? And then we'll get into the podcast. Yeah, so I think 1984 has different memories for us. You know, Sikhs like to debate about definitions of a Sikh, and I like to remind that do not forget this element that many of us identify. Some may do it as because genealogical or biological. Others do it because of the vision in Guru Granth Sahib and the Sikh spirituality. But there are many others who do it because of our politics, because of, you know, that we become the targets of the state and how we survive it and eventually we thrive it. And so there are many ways we identify. One is through this history of persecutions as we like to call them kalukaras. So that's that's what starts, you know, and then you said you left a week before. Uh, I left India because of 1984. Uh, my parents decided that, you know, our uncle had been asking us to move to America for ages, for more than a decade. And uh, many of the family members didn't want to. But when June 84 happened, then November 84 happened, guess what? In 85, he applied, not on political asylum, you know, for immigration. And sure enough, on 4th of July, 1986, uh, my immediate family and many members of the extended family, uh, we actually landed on July 4th, 1986 in America. Uh, It gives a new meaning for us, for me especially, what does it mean to be landing in America on its Independence Day? and leaving a country where we were born and leaving the areas where our generations of people helped to build it, helped to make India what it is and free India from many of not just ritualisms, but the political freedoms from invaders as well as the enemy within. Thanks for sharing that, Harinder. So let's talk about 1984 and let's talk about remembrance. Why is remembrance necessary? Well, that's a very large and open question. And I actually... <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say it in two ways. It's necessary because we are filled with forgetfulness. The antonym of being forgetfulness or living in forgetfulness is to live in remembrance, whether we do it you know, in the memory of a Ankar and the force, or whether we do it in Nam or identification, we always are told to live in remembrance, the Simran idea, which is remembrance. So remembrance is necessary because we forget. And when we forget, our connection with the one, our connection with our people, our connection with our heritage, then many things happen. And one element which happens is that the heritage is so rich, which is born out of this idea of love and justice, we call Sikhi. And this heritage is intentionally 
and in a premeditated manner has been worked upon by many uh, empires and states to eliminate this heritage. So 1984's remembrance is a reminder that we know you did this to us, but that's okay, we will not change our character and we will continue to remember just like what happened in 18th century, just like what Guru Nanak did when he witnessed the genocide, we will continue to remember the genocides, not, not for vengeance, but to recall and remind ourselves who we are and what our heritage is, and we are here to stay regardless of what any state or empire might think of us. Yeah, so let's bring 1984 and 2020 was a crazy year. Of course, we know pandemic, but also the farmers protest started happening in 2020. We wanted our rights in 1984, just basic human rights. And the farmers want their basic human rights to their own land. And it's added, things come full circle. So what parallels do you draw with 1984, six winning rights then, Punjab, I know the, it's not a Punjabi Sikh movement, but there's a lot of Punjabis and Sikhs involved in the farmers' protest. What parallels do you draw from the protest to 1984 and the responsibility of Sikhs now? We're still asking the government to give us our rights. Yeah, I, I think at the onset, I would like to say that even within Sikh heritage, it is not fair to compare any event, any episode, or any particular thing in time to other space because things and circumstances are different. But I fully understand this, and many uh, even artists in their songs about the protests have invoked this idea. And this idea is beautifully captured by many of them when they say the fight is with the center. When they use the word center, what they're saying is the Indian state, people who run the state, regardless of which political party is running it, regardless of who the prime minister is, there's a whole uh, sort of, system of governance which Indian state has used. So the parallels are very similar. The fight is with the state. Fight is not with Indians. And then 1984, Sikhs do not hate India. I have been asked this several times. Why do Sikhs hate India? I said, you're mischaracterizing this. Sikhs don't hate anyone. The Sikh, we don't, we love India. We work with India. Many of us were Indians and many remain Indians even legally. So this is not about people versus people. It never was, it never will be. That's the key message from day one. States like to make it about that because then it is easier to capture particular votes, particular vote banks and to create this othering. This happens in America a lot. There are different codes to do this. One of those codes in, in India is that when anyone who takes on the center, they make it about that particular people, that religion, that ethnicity, that social strata, whatever it might be, sometimes even gender. So those are the parallels. The fight is with the state again. The policies of the state, which are completely unconstitutional, which means the state is violating its own laws. Secondly, it is morally and ethically bankrupting, which means they are not following any norms, forget just procedural norms, they're not even following norms what is good for the people people who are the tillers of the soil, in this case, farmers, not just of Punjab or Haryana and other Northern states where the allyships got built, but actually pan-India in this case. So this is where the similarity is. Sikhs and Punjab even led this movement and have started leading this movement to the national movement of farmers because we understand that narrative and we don't shy about calling it that it is a fight with the state level policies, national level policies, and finally, the India is understanding that, people of India are understanding it, 
and they're going beyond castes, religions, even their own professions, even if they are not connected to agriculture center. And that's the parallel. Every Sikh saw that this was a fight with the state in 1984 and after 84, even Captain Amrinder Singh, because I don't want to make this about politics and religion because it's not. Even Captain Amrinder Singh, who currently is a chief minister of Indian state of Punjab, just two months ago said this, that there were two months of intense negotiation before June 1984. And he's of Congress party. He says, you know, these intense negotiations were there and then we get worried, what is the Indian state going to do next to the farmers? Because they did this in 1984, where they showed that they're, in, they're negotiating, but they were actually premeditating. Mark my word, and I'm gonna invoke another person here. There is a current sitting member of Rajya Sabha. This is the upper house of the Indian parliament, where this bill was passed. These farm laws were passed without debate, not following any conventional norms. Raj Sabha sitting member of Punjab is a Hindu Punjabi man. I say this to identify, so you don't think it's only about six. His name is Naresh Gujral. Almost 80 years ago, who said this, that what happened in June 1984 was premeditated. And he says 1984, November is so clear that state did this. He says even June 84, the role of the state, what state did while showing their negotiating, but premeditating this planning for 16 to 18 months shows you that this is all about the center. So the evidence we have, the testimonies which are now reverberating also in the Indian parliament with Sikhs and Punjabis and the people who have been documenting 1984 have been saying this for years, for decades, have actually come full circle and they're getting played out sometimes in the national politics because of the party politics, but largely from this perspective that it is very, very clear that Indian state, regardless of who the government in charge is, regardless of the political party, is known to do these things. They say one thing and they do other things. And 84 was another case where it was the target were six uh, in June 1984, six in Punjab and the Gurdwaras in Punjab. So let's talk about six rights and the aftermath of 1984. When it happened, people are still to, to this day working on cases of 1984, that aftermath, all the widows, unfortunately, that are still there. And it's it's heartbreaking. So how do we get six to realize that appreciate that and and make sure that we continue their work you know in some sort of way that we could do in in punjab and in the diaspora yeah no th thank you for asking that manpreet look the first work is we must appreciate people who did it in the formative years the most at the cost of being labeled terrorists and anti-national and all sorts of labels which were created by the indian narrative and state to denounce those and mass, like companies like Rediffusion were hired as marketing agencies to create the negative image of all six. So we must appreciate the work of people who did it in a civil, civil disobedience manner, who did it legally and continue to do all of this, who did it within the system to create certain to uh, associations such that more of that doesn't repeat, at least not in that capacity. Then there were those who got tired of all this and said, you know what, we're going to fight it in the, from a militancy angle because Sikhs have their own systems. Uh, when states fail, when political parties fail, we have a Kaltak Sahib, we have Guru Khalsa Panth idea, we take directives from Guru Granth Sahib, and all those came into play. For 37 years, we've been doing all of it. Uh, our work is definitely not done. 
the rights issues remain largely where they were because people are still being protected. Those who committed human rights violations, like the former DGP Sani, they're still being protected by the Indian state. You know, our water issues, uh, what happened with the looting and burning of the Sikh reference library, the destruction of now we know not 30 some Gurdwaras, but almost 90 Gurdwaras throughout Punjab and how their architecture and how their assets were destroyed or looted. Uh, there are many things which are not solved or even addressed. So what is the number one thing? Well, number one thing is they're not addressed because we are still not uh, treated in a manner which is about creating, uh, making six a larger member of the communities of the social fabric, including through constitutional means. So Punjab issues of uh, farm rights, we talked about Sikh issues of identities, of separate uh, Sikh code laws, that is personal clause, and many other things of discriminations, the lootings, they all remain unaddressed. Some are getting addressed. So that's where your second part of the question I'll take. Uh, while we appreciate people who have been doing all this, those who work in the government and outside the government, those who follow the political systems, those who disrupt the political system, we need all of you. And we continue to need all of you because the work is very much not done. Uh, and this is where the way we document things. Uh, those of us who want to support that, do that. Some of you have developed incredible competencies in that. Some of our six are now culture creators. Make sure you are not shy to talk about what happened in 84, which many people now do. Even our YouTubers do that. Uh, we, have, we need more documentaries, which are more nuanced. We need, uh, at the highest levels, we need policymakers in US, in Canada, in UK, those who are becoming elected members and those who are nominated in nominated positions to affect policies, bring this up, you know, and don't tell us that it's been 37 years we need to forget. That's not our narrative. In America, finally, after years of work, decades of work, this administration finally acknowledged Armenian genocide and they know the cost of it with the Turkish government. In case of six in 1984, Indian administration has acknowledged it. Indian courts have already called it crimes against humanity and genocide, citing the Indian law wasn't allowing that earlier, but reparation and justice is still not being conducted. June 84, six are not the ones saying keep the files classified. Why is Indian government not declassifying the files? We are asking from the UK government to do that. Why are we not asking the US State Department that, uh, that you know, why is that those reports 90% redacted? So same questions exist with the Indian government. If Satish, Satish uh, Naresh Gujral can ask those questions, if people like me are asking these questions, which means six have nothing to hide, but we have a lot of work to do. When we sit on our dinner tables, have a conversation about June 84. World knows about Holocaust and they call it a Holocaust. World also needs to know about Kalukaras, and we can start to say that they are genocides, but they need to understand what a Kalukara is. And the differentiation is important, but association is equally important. So let's start calling it a genocide and explaining in our household what a Kalukara is. Yeah, I call it genocide. Uh, but yeah, Kalukara, if you guys want to know too, we have another video on YouTube where uh, I think you did a Harinder, you did a session about four years ago, Kalukara and I, and, and 
talk about why. And uh, I want to get into that little over here. So you guys could go and and uh, see that video and see why we should call it Kalukara and what Kalukara meant uh, and means. But then you focused on the why part of 1984. And I know everybody could Google what happened, what they did, and how it happened. But I, I kind of want to focus on the why because I was watching that video a couple of days ago and it got me thinking. It got me thinking, like, why does this happen to us? Like, why us? And so uh, I compare it, you know, I'm in America, I'm in New York. I compare it to the Black Lives Movement here. I, I feel like we're, we are the minority, but we're like the black people of Punjab because we, they, they, they exploit our culture for monetary gains uh, or whatever they need from us. And then when we stand up, just like black people are now, when we stand up and ask for our rights, um, and accountability, they all shut us down. Either where, you know, same thing here. If uh, you can't knee at a football game and you can't go outside the streets and protest. But what about us? We can't go, less. we're at the farmers protest. We can't do that. We can't pick up arms. We can't, we can't silently do anything. So uh, they're just going to get us. So it's, I just feel like it's, it's like, I always feel like they're out for some reason they want us. And, you know, I, it kind of reminded me of this other thing that Jesse Williams said. Jesse Williams, he's an actor and he's part of the Black Lives Movement. He got a humanitarian award for it on BET. And uh, he said something cool, which the audience applauded. And he's like, um, he said, just because we're magic doesn't mean we're not real. You know, because they, so that's what I feel with us. So it's like, why six? Like why? Sometimes I'm like, personally, I'm like, just leave us alone. Just leave us alone. Do your thing. Can we do our thing? So, I mean, there are varieties of things coming in there emotionally, uh, Manpreet. So first thing is, let me actually start with a statement on Kalukara itself. And that will help us see why us. Because Kalukara is an all-inclusive term. We do not separate in, within the Sikh narrative people who serve, people who fight, people who help in any means, whether it's legal or educational or negotiations, Everyone who's part of the movement is targeted by the state. We do not differentiate people who are serving in any capacity, including with arms. That's why the term Kalukara is so important. They were coined in 18th century when half of the Sikh population was killed in one day. And the other time when two thirds of the Sikh population was killed in one day. You know, uh, it's an important term because it tells us the psyche in our psyche. What does it mean to be part of the Kalukara? That said, Look, uh, we, uh, if we are not able to identify with the Black Lives Movement here, if we are not in, in the current movements, you know, historically we identify with different movements. Uh, what is happening in Gaza currently? What is happening with Dalits? What is happening with, as Guru Nanak Sahib called it, in our current times, in the times we live, people who are Nietzsche who at people and issues and causes and nations which are underrepresented and unrepresented, we must identify with them. You know, you think it's grace when you see a, a show on TV and somebody thumps your forehead as this is how the grace will come. No, it doesn't. Or you see a Punjabi video where some Baba is giving you the grace. No, it doesn't come like this. In the words of Guru Nanak, Nadar Teri Bakshish, I feel your grace. I receive your grace when I identify with the people whose rights are being violated. 
you know, when the rights of the Jews are being violated, uh, whether they are hate crimes in this country or whether what happened during Holocaust, we identify with them and we use those vocabularies. But we are not married permanently to any peoples or nations. We are we are we create allyship with those. And currently, when we see what is happening with the African American community, I understand those sentiments. I think we have gone through it. We have different reasons. But we are like that, but much more because we also had a nation once. Land is always part of the conflicts. Uh, there is part of lands in the Black Lives Matter. When they're talking about restorative justice, and when you talk about indigenous populations, the First Nations of North America, land is attached to it too. You know, sometimes you take land by deception, and sometimes you don't give the land distribution by deception too. That's part of the American heritage, which we don't talk about, which is the negative element of this country. That's the original sin of America. So slavery has to be talked about, which has to do with votes and distribution. And in that distribution comes lands as well, who will be given housing in which space and not, even when they have served in the armed forces of this country. So this is where 1984 is actually much bigger because uh, there is a history of the things which have been violated against the Sikhs. As a reminder, we say that we also had our own state, but even if we go from 47, when we decided our community, our leadership, that we will work with India as it exists, but when India violates its own promises, when India does not treat its own citizens as first-class citizens as well, then Pagat Ravadasji reminds us, there will be political instability if you treat anyone as a second or third-class citizen. That's our... Scripture is what world says. I say that's our manifesto and this is our charter. We live and breathe this. We are not just spiritualists. We are not just politicians. We are not going to be just activists and we are not just going to be religious. This combination of Sikh archetype, which Guru Nanak molded himself and went to jail for, and Guru Gobind Singh and every guru in between went to battles with while, while, actually going through the last rites of his sahibzades weren't even allowed. That's the guru's sons even. You think any state will allow and deal with us in a fair manner? They don't allow last rites even today. They didn't allow last rites properly in 84. That's our heritage. We fight for not just our own rights, we fight for people's rights. That's our training from day one. And if that meant that the state wouldn't change, if that meant that people who run the state wouldn't change, then we fight politically as well. And we become the politicians and we become the rulers. And if the state still doesn't change, then we create a state where all this will be implemented. That's what you saw in 18th century and with Maharajit Singh. That's why we become the targets because this is not just spiritual thing for us, or this is not just the latest uh, political activism for us. This is part of the Sikh DNA. Our idea of remembrance is we remember the divine equally and remember the creation, the divinity among all peoples, so we fight for their rights. That's why 84 happened, and it will continue to happen. The magnitude changes, the actors change, both state actors and Sikh actors, but it will continue to happen if we remain Sikhs in the name of the gurus, not in our just own professed sense. Very well said, a lot to think about. Yeah, I mean, th th those are, you know, my personal thoughts when I think of these things. I'm like, why us? Just leave us alone. They always trying to make us part of their religion, their culture and everything. Like, can we just be different? 
Can we just like do our thing? And if you like us, great. Come join if you don't like us, great too. But give us the same rights that we deserve, you know, the inalienable rights, as we say in this country. Like, so. Right. But Manpreet, here is a difference. Uh, the, the attitude the gurus had developed within us, and this is very important for current Sikhs to understand, all 30 million of us, we really need to work at it, whether we uh, stay in New York or whether we are in Namashar, right, and anything in between in the world. We really need to understand the attitude guru developed, that we are not beggars. We are not going to beg for our rights. That is not in the character of a Sikh. We will demand it. We will document. We will fight for it. Because the only people we beg, the only entity a Sikh ever begs is the Guru, the Creator. That's it. To us, they become synonyms at some point. Everywhere else, we will fight for our rights, as public enemy would say. And if you don't know how to fight for your right, then fight for your right to fight. You know, those are the contemporary phenomena we need to work with. But our attitude is very, very important here. You know, Guru Arjun Sahib has written about this even, I can't even tell you how, how much of a clarities gurus provided for us. Of course, they were clear when they said, you know, these land rulers cannot be the real rulers. Think about that for a second. Pupat. Pupat is Pu is land and Pat is owner. Like these kings have become landowners because they have grabbed them by hook or crook. And you see this with the real estate giants too. They think they will become the rulers. No. He says, the only place we learn from how to rule is the divine, the force, the koankar. And that's what becomes part of the sort of a sick way to think about things, sick way to govern, and when needed, a sick way to rule. Uh, thanks for clarifying that. You know, I mean, let's bring it back to right now and let's how is the in your words you've been you've done a lot of research on it you gave so many lectures on it it's on our youtube channel how has the government and we know what's happening with the farmers protests we know the media blackout then and now the media blackouts that they're trying to do now and the censorship on twitter and social and all this stuff and which is just crazy to me that even the liberals here think it's, uh, you know, are we put them on a mountain and then they do all the same stuff anyways with their companies in different countries just for money. But let's talk about the response today. So you've seen 84. It's 2021, June 2021. Has the government, as you kind of alluded to this, they're kind of they're recognizing this. But how how is the government responding today? And what do you think? would be uh, the right thing to do or the least, just the, the least right thing to do at least just to uh, move forward with this and, and have, we will never forget 1984 ever, but at least start on a path of healing, let's say. Is the government doing anything? Is there anything happening? Um, tell me. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's understand at the onset of this question as well that what governments do depends on their other politics, not just, so we have to see everything in light of who is their opposition at the time, who is their vote bank at the time. So that plays a role in terms of what they say or what is allowed to be done even in the judiciary, not just in their administration uh, and police. That said, what you're seeing in the Modi years under the BJP 
is more of a recognition of acknowledging what happened in 1984 because they're trying to counter what they have done in Gujarat, right? So even when uh, uh, Naresh Gujral is saying certain things, I understand why he's saying, because he is an alliance partner with Akalis. And he's also being utilized to counter, you know, the Congress party, the Rajiv CEO narrative, CEO of India narrative, because they were the ones who did 1984. And this is why I said for six, it should be very clear. We should not be part of that propaganda war. It's the state and the center, which Punjabis and Sikhs very well understand. So what state has done in, in, in last, let's say, decade, he had started a little bit with Manmohan Singh when he started apologizing, although it was half-assed. And if somebody really wants to see the analysis of that, uh, Jaskaran Kaur from Insar wrote a very good article explaining how it's not even an apology, which I agree. It was a gesture. They are also using him because he happened to be wearing turban. And while they have three people who are alleged killers of perpetrators of that genocide in his own cabinet. So he is standing and apologizing. So those gestures started. With those, more gestures have started that more MPs have spoken, including now the right-wing MP, who was actually the only one who's consistently spoken, even for in favor of Jarnail Singh Pindrawale, uh, they are around too. Many of them are around. So the gestures have started. Some policy changes you are saying in terms of they allow certain documentation. They allow even some cases to go further. We have had convictions of one or two major convict, uh, perpetrators. Two are pending. And it has to do with, again, Congress and BJP politics. Because who is rising to the national scene? The one who is second or possibly in, uh, in command to uh, come on the national scene of Congress, they're not filing charges against him. They are not allowing those cases to be brought in Delhi because they're also seeing what he is doing in Madhya Pradesh today. So my point is, let's understand there is an Indian politics side of it. But that said, there are acknowledgements, there are gestures, there are judicial wins, two cases came out. Uh, certain state governments, including Delhi's government and Punjab's and few others have started to recognize that what was done in 1984 is actually not understood. Six have nothing to hide. Government sealed Punjab. They did not allow the information to come out. It's actually the Sikh narratives which has allowed all this to happen, whatever has happened so far, because some things are so blatant. And we still have blatant protection of this going on of the perpetrators, both in Punjab as well as by the center of the Indian state. I know this podcast is getting a little long, but I do want to talk about uh, one or two more things, which is basically uh, perception. You know, I'm a marketing guy, so I, perception is number one to me. And so w six started doing outreach. Um, farmers protest did outreach. They didn't like us. Like, what are you guys doing? You know, where's this money coming from? All this stuff. COVID happened. They needed oxygen. They needed, uh, you know, the common man to help out. Six started helping out. Then they loved us. You know, it's like the same. I feel, <laughs> and it's good. It's changing. A lot of people's perception has changed. I mean, I've seen videos all over. People are like, oh, we thought you guys were like this, but you're so helpful. And, you know, and it changes ideas. And maybe it takes events like this to change the perception of six um, in India. Um, so, uh, 
I, I mean, I basically want to say, like, I'm so happy to see that the perception of six is changing when there is some disaster that happens. We are on the forefront. You know, we're not just the army people uh, that they portray us in every movie that they that they do. But now we're just the common men and we're going to help the way we can. So how um, how how do you like seeing the perception of six changing and six doing stuff in the farmers protest in covid? And hopefully that will help. You know, the government's going to say what the government's going to say, but maybe that will help a lot of Indians realize. And I'm talking about in, in people in India because access to information is sketchy, as we've seen now. Uh, realize like, oh, um, man, these six, they are really something. I got to find out more about them and what's happening. Manpreet, the the outcome is... I am in agreement with what you are saying, but there is much more to it. It didn't happen just like because we were serving in one or other capacity. We have been doing that. You know, the six were known for it. So you have to see when propaganda is so high, where the other side, the state, has hired marketing companies to create a negative image, it requires even more work. And it requires work beyond PR. So marketing is only important if there is an R&D, right? So there is R&D of six here. We actually serve all the time, literally all the time, uh, whether it's the disaster areas, you know, relief work, or whether uh, it's at the farmer movements or whether it was natural catastrophes. Now, what has happened as an impact of that is when people of India, like Hindus in India and Rajasthan and Haryana and all over India, for the first time, if you ask me, since 84, our image, has gone back to not maybe to the same level, but there is a major dent made that six are not what the state says because people are seeing what six are doing. Even when Godi media is not portraying that properly, the alternative media has allowed that to happen. Plus the personal testimony of people at these sites are allowing this to happen. You hear this from Muslims globally, you hear this from Hindus globally now. You hear this from other people, in England included, when people help out in flooding there. Because that's part of our DNA. We don't need to do marketing of the DNA. People see it. People see through just marketing as well. But people see it when they see how, whether someone in Australia is doing this, and whether somebody in the thick and thin of this corridor, I'm going to call it, which goes through parts of Haryana to Delhi, where the farmers' protest sites are, they're also seeing it. The irony in all this is state government was a different political party in 84, which was trying to create that negative image. It's a different political party now, which was trying to create a negative image. The state politics remains the same. They're modeled after exactly the same populism, that you know, idea of dictating and idea of not following anyone else's lead. Their ideologies are different, yes. But the outcome is that even with the similar tactics going on and not allowing certain narrations to come out, people of India are finally seeing it because enough of alternatives are available for them to see. And I think this should be a reminder and needs to be even a bigger reminder to all six globally. Do what you need to do regardless of seeing the background of individuals. That's what Seva is. We have forgotten and I think it's coming back, which is great, that Seva, what you see is a subset, is the secondary nature of her primary thing, which is we are actually serving the divine when we are serving the people. This is our remembrance. Seva literally, you know, the physical Seva we all understand, 
What we have forgotten is that the root of this word, the word is upashna, which means I do this in the remembrance of the divine. And this is another way of Nam culture, how I identify with the Kuvankar, the force. Very well put. I did not know that. Um, yeah, like I said, so the podcast is uh, getting a little long. So my closing thoughts, and Harinder Singh, I'm going to get your closing thoughts too on 1984 Remembrance. Um, I'm just happy to see on social media personally that young Sikhs are like, no, no, it is Kalukara. You can call it genocide Holocaust. They're not anti-Sikh rights. They're not Operation Blue Star, which I grew up with. So I'm so happy that we're using the right names because names do matter. It changes pe- it. It's um, a label, a brand is a certain perception in someone's mind. So I'm glad that we're using the names and the younger generation is using the names and spreading the message and doing it through art. Uh, it's it's just great to see. So I'm I'm very happy that we're everyone, at least as much as uh, the young generation on social is, that they're not afraid to put it out there. I know you could call them Twitter warriors or whatever, but at least we're putting our narrative out there and our story out there, which is very important. But uh, yes, let me definitely get your closing thoughts, please. Well, and and I agree with that. This narrative change efforts, uh, I was part of one of the earlier starts on this, you know, 15, 20 years ago when we said, look, this is important, whether we speak in New Delhi or whether we speak in uh, Toronto, our narrative needs to be exactly the same. We must not be afraid to say the exact same thing. So if you're going to use Operation Blue Star, for example, I understand that is the official state narrative, but then you have to say there is a battle of Amritsar as well, because that's the Sikh version. You know, the larger what happened in 84 is Kalukara or genocide. But this is why Kalukara includes those who fought back, not just the ones who helped save, not just the ones who negotiated, but the ones who also fought back. That's part of our tradition. So Battle of Amritsar is part of the narrative of the Kalukara. Uh, 84 is etched in our memory. Nobody can erase it. People have tried, even six who followed the state narrative have tried. But remember, when 84 happened, everyone gave their medals back, even the most decorated in the Indian government. People like Kushwant Singhs, uh, who were otherwise, you know, jo- uh, you know, jolly fellows, as they call them in India, uh, who did not even like the Battle of Amritsar narrative. He appreciated Pindravale when he said he fought like a tiger. So do understand this. When 84 happened, even he gave his uh, medals and recognitions back. Our, our academics did that. Dr. Ganda Singh gave it back. People who are our humanitarians wrote a letter, Pagat Puran Singh and Singh's why I cannot have your citations anymore. This is who we are as people. We don't focus on the ones who didn't do. So many diplomats left their positions. Many resigned. Many left armies to fight back. How dare they do this to Harmandir Sahib complex and in Punjab? and Arakal Taksal. This is who we are as people. We do not apologize about what other Sikhs do. We are part of this caravan. This is a very large tent. 84 needs every single one of you. I remember seeing a photograph and people didn't like it. Some guy standing in New York City and even was smoking. And they asked him, how come you say you are a Sikh? He says, because of 1984. Let's understand that. We don't need to lecture people about Rahat when we are talking about 1984, because state didn't. They went after killing everyone who identified as a Sikh, and sometimes they were only wearing kada. This part is who Sikhs, one identification of Sikhi is, 
let's understand this. Let's understand why we fight back. Let's fight for people's rights anywhere and everywhere we live. And those of you who are interested in furthering this, you know, the Jewish world has something called Yad Vesham. That's been my aspiration. When will we create our version of that? I've been studying that for 15 years. Whether I worked with Siddhar Patwan Singh or Mr. Fulka or Ensaf or other people, how do you document this? How do you create museums where you can have these things? When will we ever have our museums like the ones which are in every major city in the world? You know, yes, we just had a Memorial Day, so understand, I understand that American perspective and the World War I and II perspectives and the Holocaust perspectives and other memorials which are globally. What about 84 and Kandukara memorials? Unless we own our own history, which I think we want to, we have aspiration to, now we are having tools to, and now we have proven records of how to document, how to win cases, how to create restorative justice. If our people can go do this for other communities, I'm also looking for them, our culture creators, people with high aptitudes on how to fight cases, to go deeper into this and document it, preserve it, so we know what a sick narrative is, and 84 remains an inspiration to go fight the next 84, which is already in the making. Harinder Singh, great closing thoughts, lots to think about. I hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. I hope uh, people are inspired. Um, once again, thank you very much uh, for being here and taking the time to uh, remember 1984. You are listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.